This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. It's good to be back here today to talk, Pastor Mark, especially with everything in the news that's taking place, and in particular, Judge Kavanaugh. Judge Kavanaugh has been nominated to be in the Supreme Court, and there's been some discrepancies whether or not he should be placed within the Supreme Court. We're going to listen to just a short clip of what's taking place in the news with the Supreme Court. It's predictable that every confirmation hearing now is going to be overblown, politicized circus. And it's because we've accepted a new theory about how our three branches of government should work, and in particular, how the judiciary should work. What Supreme Court confirmation hearings should be about is an opportunity to go back and do schoolhouse rock civics for our kids. So after listening to the clip, one of the things that we can take from these cultural encounters is that they teach us things. They give us opportunities to be able to start conversations. They give us access points to be able to even get to the gospel if possible. But one of the things that continues to come up is this idea of morality. And as I was thinking back, I was reading Making Sense of God, Finding God in the Modern World. And as I was reading it, it brought up the idea that actually came from Twilight of the Idols by Frederick Nietzsche. And Frederick Nietzsche basically was an unbeliever who stated that, you know, people are going to want morality but they're going to cut off God Mm -hmm. and in the midst of that he says you know basically we don't need God because we have other things to explain our earth and the things around us however without God we're we really don't have a standard of morality that is objective outside of us that we can look to and balance things in life with and so it does leave us in this dilemma And as Christians, we know that we have this standard of morality, but we're seeing this in the media on a regular basis. Yeah, um, the the discussion with the court nomination of Kavanaugh and and then the debate over what's occurred uh, in in his life, in his background, in his past, and and does that leave him eligible or or still eligible, and and the argument... um, what what you're seeing is a is a clash of of viewpoints. It, it's it's less about the testimony of two individuals and the weighing of evidence uh, and and the determination of truth, which is something we should really care about. Like we shouldn't care about which party wins this argument. We should care as Christians. We should care about the truth being known. And, and the truth is every human is going to be fallible to some degree. So we're not, as Christians, we're not expecting a perfect individual to get nominated or elected to anything. But yeah. we should care much about the truth, that that person would be truthful and, and honest about who they are and what they've done. And, uh, but it's, it's hard to weigh in on truth when there's an agenda at play. And, and I think something's getting sidelined by us having to weigh through the agenda and that is what you brought up about this idea of what Nietzsche was saying our society wants morality we want a moral ethic but we want to dismiss God from it 
And so we end up having a, a fight between, between moralities. And, and, and I've been guilty of this in the past, and, and, and I think maybe it's a, a, a typical thing for Christians. Um, I, I've believed that I'm on the side of morality and everybody else is against morality. Those that are unbelievers, they just want an immoral society. And that's not really the truth. What they, what they want is, that's not really accurate, I should probably say, because yeah, <laughs> that really yeah. is the truth. Yeah. But the accuracy of the statement is they're fighting for a morality, mm-hmm. a type of morality, one that they see. And so it's an argument of two moralities. And, and so I, we have to back up a step from that, because is my morality more important than your morality? Is the way I want things more important than the way Deanna wants things? No, it's not. Um, but the truth is more important than my truth or your truth. The moral ethic, the biblical ethic, is more important than my moral standard or your moral standard. And so we got to back up those arguments to what's the real standard. Yeah, actually, it makes me think, and we were talking earlier, I mentioned this about Charles Taylor. And Charles Taylor wrote this. He went back and he looked through ancient history. He wrote the book, A Secular Age. Mm -hmm. And as he walked through time, he said, basically, what what we're doing here in America is that we've taken on a whole new narrative, a whole new idea. And so we've decided that we've been created a certain way, Mm -hmm. that we can be any kind of person we want to be. And, and we can decide all of these different ideas among us. But is there a truth that states there's an actual standard, that we actually cannot make up those things ourselves? Mm-hmm. The community cannot make it up. Right. Uh, the Moral Landscape came out as a book from an atheist. He tried to make sense of morality in America and make a claim that we could have morals apart from God. Mm-hmm. But but can we do that? That's the question. And then it takes me back to this idea now Charles Taylor was saying is that we have people that have this narrative of the way morality ought, ought to be. And then we have the question in Christianity, is there a way it ought to be? And if true, one has to be wrong. Yeah. Right? So it it makes me think of this and I, I was looking at it earlier in Jeremiah twenty three it's it states it, this is a time when You know, God had given the Israelites the law. He had told them how they ought to live, and they abandoned that. And Jeremiah comes in and says to them in chapter 23, he says, The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and carried out the purposes of his heart. In the last days, you will clearly understand it. I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel... They would have announced my words to my people, and they would have turned back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. And so even though these two different people are talking, you have prophets and prophets, Mm. right? Yeah. But one's a false prophet. Right. And one's a prophet of God. And it reminds me that you have these two narratives. Yeah. And they both can't be true yeah so we have to be discerning what what narrative is true and it if it's a christian narrative which obviously we believe it that to be true because right, right. i believe the evidence 
as well as uh, the Holy Spirit leads people in all truth. So within that, though, you ha- we have to use these places like Kavanaugh as opportunities not to stand in the battlefield and pitch our fork and make slanderous attempts, but instead invite people in. Yeah, it, it's interesting because Nietzsche, Nietzsche was arguing that God is dead and we don't have to have God, but he understood the outcome would be a, a, a landscape without morality. It would, it would end up in chaos, even though you're going to still want the morality. And I think that's exactly what we see. As God has been dismissed from culture, you, you see people still clamoring for some form of morality, but they're having to define it themselves, and that's the, the definition of chaos. If, if you and I both think we're absolutely correct and we have opposing opinions, you're going to end up in chaos. You can't come together. You can't even cooperate to form a community or a society. And he said that's going to be the result and was for it. <laughs> I mean, let's forget, he was for that. He yeah. just knew where it would lead. And, and, and that's what we're experiencing. And, and the situation with Kavanaugh just illustrates that. Right, it, it's not yeah. a result of that. It's not the cause of that. It just illustrates that's what's happening. That the idea of of truth coming out is the least important thing. It's how how does how does the red team get their guy in, and how does the blue team keep him from getting in? Right. It's a it's 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 a football game. It reminds me of my little uh, electronic football game I had when I was a kid, and you plug it into the wall, and it's a metal plate that vibrates. And you put little football guys on it, and they just shake around. And there's absolutely no order or design to it. It just shakes around until one of the guys with the ball ends up across a goal line. And it's just chaos that's happening in front of you, right? And it, this is what that reminds me of. We're just living in this time of this chaos, and there's no control. But you're still rooting for one side to win over the other. And as Christians, we just want to be for the truth. And so you have to be discerning the scripture reading from Jeremiah. There's a true prophet and there's a false prophet. And I'm not saying that in direct relation to the Kavanaugh case. Right. One of them is the true prophet. No, I'm saying in, in the world, there's truth and there's falsehood. And as believers, we need to be discerning about where the truth is and care about the truth, not about a win. And, and then use these opportunities because everybody's talking about this, how do I how do I have a conversation about well how do we determine it, that this is right or wrong? Yeah, is are his actions right or wrong? Are his stances on abortion right or wrong? How would you know that? Why do you think it's right? Why do you think it's wrong? You know? Yeah, and I think that that is what is so important is that when we say things like. It's not really a win for the blue or for the red. What we're saying is that, listen, we want to be for whatever truth is. So if somebody is out there and they're standing for truth, then we want to get there with them. And there are going to be things that are not issues that we have to draw the line on. Nobody cares whether or not I'm going to get a Coke or a Pepsi. There are going to be issues we can live together on. There are matters that are going to be in the public square that we have to be aware of. And as Christians, we are commanded to teach all that Jesus 
commanded. And if that's the case, how can we share in conversations and dialogue and really get to the heart of the truth if we don't really know what he said? If we don't know what Yahweh said, if we don't know how he dealt with the poor, if we don't know how he dealt with moral issues or discrepancies in, in, in areas of nations, we, we have to be a people who seek and know and understand his word and grow in that on a regular basis and share that, use these opportunities. Yeah. Well, and, and, and not just use our opportunity, uh, but use it with, uh, kindness. Oh yeah. <laughs> engage, engage these arenas, go strong with your conviction, but go gentle with your spirit and and I think that's what that's what I long for, and that's what that's really what strikes at the heart of this whole morality question, uh, because you can have the right moral viewpoint, mm-hmm. you can be standing on the side of truth, but then undo your your uh, ambassadorship by the way that you've talked, mm-hmm. the way that you've treated others. I'm going to treat you in an immoral way as I stand for morality. And that's what I think we just have to be really cautious with. Let's be let's be truthful and and truth bearers at the same time. It reminds me of the little book that Randy Alcorn wrote on grace and truth, mm-hmm. and he says that you know he's been to places where he has evangelized at abortion clinics and different things like that and tried to do that in grace and truth and all those things he said they got word that someone was going to come to their church and they were going to picket them Mm -hmm. and i found it intriguing that he said they set out donuts and coffee (laughs) and i thought this is genius right i mean there's other people who are going wow that's you're you're not standing for the truth but but they were. They never moved from truth. They, what they were doing was they were saying, hey, listen, you know what? We don't agree on this. We've got two different narratives here. Yeah. But what I want to do is I want to sit down and I want to talk to you and I want to share with you. And, and at the end of the day, what I really want to do is get to the gospel. Yeah. And you may not understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, but the way that Christ came to invite people he, he did it in truth, and he did it in love. And I think that that's just a reflection of who he is when we just extend the grace. And it he states this, and I, I've always loved this. He says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Yeah. Well, and, and I hope that's meaningful to people listening, and, and that'll help as you have conversations, I'm sure, in the coming weeks as this case continues to unfold and... Votes happen and a nominee gets appointed or gets declined, it's going to be discussed. And we can spend our time and argue that they mistreated or they should have done. And really, what we need to do is listen, serve a donut <laughs> to those that disagree with us, and try to have a conversation and see if we can't point them to the gospel, whether we're talking to another believer or an unbeliever. Um, the gospel will help us find our common ground and create a good conversation. So that's what we hope to help you do. Thanks for listening.